The patient had grade 3 hypomagnesemia, as well as grade 4 potassium deficiency, muscle cramps, and some tingling in their limbs. That's Gabrielle Mason, a staff writer here at Fierce Biotech. Later, we'll hear more from her about a phase 2 Duchenne muscular dystrophy clinical trial. I'm Teresa Carey, and this is The Top Line from Fierce Biotech, Fierce MedTech, and Fierce Pharma. This episode is brought to you by Zymo Research. Today is Friday, September 9th. Stick with us after a few announcements. We've got all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need. Okay, so this is exciting. We're hosting the Fierce Biotech Summit on September 19th and 20th. The two-day conference covers drug development from the earliest stage of research to FDA approval. We've got a great lineup of speakers and we'll announce the Fierce 15 honorees. You won't want to miss this. So if you're worried about getting FOMO, then join us in Boston. Check it out at FierceBiotechSummit.com. Coming up next, the news, but first a word from our sponsor. Zymo Research is a world leader in sample collection. Safe Collect sample collection kits are designed for at-home sample collection with no cold shipping or expedited shipping required. Samples stay stable at ambient temperature for up to 30 days, and samples are safe to transport with DNA, RNA shield, and activating pathogens, including COVID-19 and monkeypox. I received a series of sample collection kits from Zymo Research, and we tested them out with my family. Both the oral swab and saliva collection methods were very easy to use. I have two young kids, and I can confirm that it is not easy to do proper nasal swabs on children under five. Uh, while the saliva collection took a little while to complete, it was very effective with my five-year-old. He even had fun doing it. And my two-year-old did great with the oral swab. It's highly preferred over the traditional nasal swabs. The sample instructions were clear, the collection method was easy, and I was comforted knowing that any pathogens would be deactivated once they enter the test collection kit. If you'd like to learn more about Safe Collect Sample Collection Kits, go to zymoresearch.com. That's Z-Y-M-O research.com. Illumina has picked up one legal win and one loss in the span of a week, as Connor Hale and Andrea Park reports. First, antitrust regulators officially moved to block Illumina's acquisition of Grail. Why? Well, Illumina commands a massive international market share among DNA sequencing and research tools. The European Commission noted that this potential acquisition would give Illumina enough power to thwart the work of Grail's competitors. The European Union said the two companies should separate completely. But in the U.S., a judge didn't see it that way. The judge ruled in Illumina's favor, saying the $8 billion takeover could continue. The European Union is also investigating whether Illumina should be punished for closing its deal early, as it did last year before any official government gave a green light. But it's not over. In the U.S., the FTC said it would appeal the decision that favored Illumina. And Illumina released a statement saying that it would file its own appeal in Europe. Still, Illumina has set aside nearly half a billion in legal funds to pay penalties if needed and noted in a statement that it would begin exploring ways to split from Grail if Europe's final ruling is not postponed. The trouble never ends for Philips's respiratory devices business. As Andrea Park reports, Philips's latest safety alert concerns more than 17 million face masks that connect to CPAP and BiPAP machines. 
The masks contain magnetic clips or straps to hold them in place, and some users have begun reporting that those magnets may interfere with implanted medical devices. If the masks and their magnets come within a few inches of implants like pacemakers, neurostimulators, and stents, then devices may malfunction, or they might move or even unexpectedly shut down. Phillips has received 14 reports of implant malfunctions caused by the magnets. These malfunctions reportedly caused health problems like arrhythmias, seizures, and cognitive issues. On Tuesday, Phillips updated the labeling and instructions for the magnetic masks, recommending that they not be used by patients who have certain metallic implants or who come into close contact with caregivers or loved ones who do. Instead, those patients should consult with their healthcare providers and seek out a non-magnetic alternative. Wednesday proved a rewarding day for Springworks Therapeutics. As James Waldron reports, the company secured a total of $300 million across two very different funding methods. One involved Springworks expanding on its agreement with GSK. The two companies first established a collaboration in 2019. The goal was to test if a combination of their drugs was effective at treating patients with relapsed or refractory multiple myeloma. Now GSK is deepening that relationship by making a $75 million equity investment in Springworks to enable further studies into the two therapies. GSK's global head of oncology development said in a statement that the company had been encouraged by the early clinical data from the combination. If that wasn't enough good news for one day, Springworks made a separate announcement that it had lined up a group of institutional investors to issue and sell over 8.6 million shares of its common stock. The company suggested that this transaction could help its goal of bringing its first drug to market next year. Arsenal Bio has reeled in one of the largest single fundraising rounds of 2022, closing a $220 million Series B. As Max Bayer reports, the money will go towards continuing to build out the team and rev up its clinical development plans, which are slated for later this year. Arsenal Bio is designing reprogrammed cell therapies based on cells from a specific patient. The reprogramming is done by editing genes in the cell. But instead of editing those genes using viral vectors, the company has honed in on a distinct portion of chromosome 11. According to Arsenal CEO Kendra Zan, that location is a safe harbor, meaning it's far from other consequential genes. Focusing on the same integration site for each cell will also make the manufacturing process more streamlined. And Arsenal Bio has had early validation of this platform, signing onto a partnership with Bristol-Myers Squibb. That has to be some great momentum. Arsenal Bio could be submitting its formal request to regulators to launch into phase one before the end of September. The hope is that the first patients are dosed before the end of the year. Earlier this week, an FDA independent advisory panel met again to discuss Amlix ALS drug, Zoe Becker reports. In March, the advisory panel voted against recommending the drug, called AMX0035, but the company submitted more analyses, and the FDA took the unusual step of asking its expert panel to vote again. The new information that Amlix provided included new analyses of two Phase two studies, 
the first including response rates and survival data from its main study, and the other one was biomarker results from a trial of the drug in Alzheimer's disease. After the expert panel reviewed the new information, they released briefing documents that cited several issues with the new analyses. The issues included that the company didn't provide new data, but rather a new analysis method, and that it was unclear if the findings would be applicable to ALS. But as somewhat of a surprise, this time around, the panel voted in the therapy's favor. The decision is a victory for advocacy groups. They support the drug's approval because, well, people with ALS have a short life expectancy and there is no cure. The FDA will make a final decision on the therapy's approval by September 29th. Hey, while I've got your attention, if you like this podcast, guess what? We've launched another podcast. Our team at Pierce Healthcare is excited to bring you every Wednesday a few in-depth discussions from industry thought leaders and innovative people who are pushing boundaries in the healthcare industry. So Wednesday morning, ask your smart speaker to play Podnosis. The FDA has given Sarepta Therapeutics the green light for its phase two Duchenne muscular dystrophy clinical trial after slapping the biotech with the clinical hold in June. After a word from our sponsor, staff writers Gabrielle Mason and James Waldron will talk about the hold's quick turnaround. Dino Research is a world leader in sample collection. SafeCollect sample collection kits are designed for at-home sample collection with no cold shipping or expedited shipping required. Samples stay stable at ambient temperature for up to 30 days, and samples are safe to transport with DNA, RNA shield, and activating pathogens, including COVID-19 and monkeypox. SafeCollect sample kits can be used to detect a number of pathogens, including but not limited to SARS-CoV-2, dengue virus, Ebola virus, influenza A, rhinovirus, MERS coronavirus, West Nile virus, as well as a number of bacteria and yeast in eukaryotes. From NASA to Nobel Prize winners, those who rely on safe, simple, reliable sample collection use Zymo Research products. To learn more about Safe Collect sample collection kits, go to ZymoResearch.com. That's Z-Y-M-O Research.com. At the end of June, the FDA placed a clinical hold on Sarepta's Phase 2 DMD clinical trial after a Grade 3 adverse event was reported. Now, only a few months later, the agency has lifted the hold, giving Sarepta the green light to continue the trial. So Gabby, thanks for walking us through the latest on uh, the lifting of the trial hold. Uh, first and foremost, can you talk us through why the trial was put on hold in the first place? Yeah, thanks, James. So the trial is assessing CRP-5051, which Sarepta knows can interfere with magnesium reabsorption. So because of this, the study participants were already taking supplements to counter the risk. However, the FDA halted the trial kind of after learning of a serious adverse event in a patient in the high-dose cohort. The patient had grade 3 hypomagnesemia, which is the clinical term for low magnesium levels, as well as grade 4 potassium deficiency, muscle cramps, and some tingling in their limbs. So luckily, the patient didn't require hospitalization and recovered after getting an IV of magnesium and kind of taking some increased magnesium and potassium supplements afterwards. So Gabby, if I can just hold you there and just for the benefit of any of our listeners who aren't too familiar with you know, how adverse events are rated, can you just talk us through 
what is a grade three and grade four adverse event. So we know, as you said, they didn't require hospitalization, but I mean, are we talking, are these considered quite serious or are these quite minor events? Okay. Yeah. Good call. So, so for starters, an adverse event is just like an unintentional medical occurrence that's tied with the drug, whether it's actually directly from the drug or not, it's kind of associated with it. So the adverse events are based on a scale of one to five. So five is the worst and that means the patient died. Um, so grade three events are typically pretty severe, um, while grade four events can be life-threatening or disabling. Okay. Yeah, that's really helpful. And then I suppose if that's the backdrop, you know, why, how was the company able to get the hold lifted? Right. So the FDA lifted the hold after they kind of looked at Sarepta's risk mitigation and safety monitoring plan um, that they set up for the trial. The company is also kind of adjusting its trial protocol now to include expanded monitoring of the urine biomarkers. So it sounds like there's quite a bit of work uh, needing to be done behind the scenes. Does this mean that the trial is going to be significantly delayed? Not really at all, actually. They just resumed enrollment outside of the U.S., and they're still right on track to complete that by the end of this year, which was their initial plan. Okay, that's really interesting. And, and I guess final question is, if we take a step back, how does this trial, um, you know, in the medicine more generally, fit into the company's larger pipelines? Yeah, so Sarepta has a, a pretty expansive genetic medicine pipeline with a ton of other DMD discovery or preclinical programs. Um, however, this is their only active clinical DMD asset among their RNA tech, um, besides their approved DMD therapies, of which they have three. They have other DMD gene therapy and gene editing candidates as well. Um, beyond DMD, though, the company has several gene therapy candidates in different indications, like MS and cardiomyopathy. Well, thanks so much for talking us through that, Gabby. It definitely looks like this is a trial that we should be keeping an eye on here at Fierce Biotech. Yeah, and we definitely will. So thanks for chatting with me, James. That's it for The Top Line. I'm senior producer, Teresa Carey. Our sound engineer is Caleb Hodgson. You can find out more about these topics in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. Look for podcasts. Don't forget to follow The Top Line on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen. And that's The Bottom Line from The Top Line.